download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks, St. Sampson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. with you, uh, Colossians chapter 4 verse 17 and then we're going to go to the book of Jonah, so how many think that's, an, that's, a, that's a kind of unusual link uh, and we'll kind of somehow bring it all together. I want to talk today about embracing God's assignment and I, I just, I don't know why, maybe just maybe for a couple of people here today but I'm sure it will benefit to all of us and just this sense that, that God wants to, us to embrace his assignment no matter how young we are, how old we are, how many realise God's got an assignment for everybody? Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> and your assignment may not necessarily be my assignment, and my assignment might not necessarily be your assignment. We've all got different assignments. The only truth is every single person's got an assignment. Colossians 4, verse 17. There's an interesting character. I'm not even sure I'll probably pronounce his a name right, but you're Garrett. <laughs> and say to Archippus, not Archippus, but Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfil it. There's those words there. Take heed. Or we would say embrace the ministry which you've received in the Lord. Embrace it, receive it, so that you may fulfil it. How can you fulfil it if you've never embraced it? Is that true? If you go over to Jonah, because I, want to, I want to look at somebody who, who never really embraced his assignment. And we're going to look at Jonah. Uh, just read the first three verses. We're going to look through the whole book, but uh, don't worry. It won't be every verse, but we're going to look through the, the whole book and I'll just bring a few truths out there about embracing the sign. But Jonah chapter 1 and just 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, to, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose and went to Tarshish. Now think about this, okay? Uh, Nineveh is Babylon or we would say Iraq, okay? And he goes to Tarshish, which is Spain. So where would you rather go, Benidorm or, or Iraq? What, what, you know, what, what would your choice be? So he decided the son of Benidorm seemed a little bit more attractive than going to, than going to Iraq. So, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we think about that verse in Colossians there. How many realise that God's mission is really for, for, to spread the gospel around the world, make disciples of all nations, and, and for that to, really to fulfil the mission of God, 
That kind of means that every hand has to be on deck. And every single person, as I said earlier, every one of us has an assignment. Every one of us. Every single person has a God-given assignment that God gives to each of us. Now, your assignment, my assignment, they're all going to be different. Every one of them is going to be different. But the point is that the reality is that every single one of us has an assignment. No matter how old you are, how young you are, what your social status is, anything else about you, every single person has a God-given assignment. Can you say amen? Here we find a guy here in Colossians that Paul was kind of concerned that he was kind of, he, he was wavering in some way other things had distracted him in life and only realised the big thing the enemy does more than anything I know is it's distraction he uses various things to distract us from the mission that God has given to us and so people can be distracted diverted and Paul was one of this particular guy had allowed distractions he'd allowed certain things to divert him from the ministry and the assignment that God had given him to fulfill. So he, he reminds him to fulfill his ministry and to embrace the assignment that God gives to him. And here we find in Jonah, this, the guy, this Jonah, really, if you like, had a limited view of God. That's the real truth of it. His heart was closed, really, to... to to, to, to the passion and the heart of God. And because he had a, a distorted concept of God's mercy, of God's grace, of God's love, it kind of hindered him and prevented him from fulfilling the assignment that God had given to him. Now we know that Jonah had an incredible ministry because if you, we haven't got time to look at it, but if you look at kind of, I think, 2 Kings chapter 14, it tells us he, he prophesied to King Jeroboam. He, he prophesied to him. And, he, and this king was so impacted by it, it kind of changed him. He had an incredible impact on his life. So we know that he had an incredible prophetic ministry. He had an incredible experience with God. Yet the problem was, there were wars, there were barriers, there were things in him that was preventing him from fulfilling the assignment that God gave to him. So just a few things, really, about how to fulfil our assignment. There's the first thing. If you go back to Jonah chapter 1, there's the first thing. I think to fulfil your assignment, how many realise you need the presence of God? Have you noticed as you read those first three verses, how often the presence of God is mentioned there? It's mentioned at least two or three times, just in those three verses, about the presence of God. And when I talk about the presence of God, I'm talking about the tangible presence of God connecting with us. So that we feel his presence, we experience his presence, we enjoy connecting with his presence. I think that everything changes in our life. Our whole lives become shaped. Our whole lives are transformed and changed. Not really through a sermon, and not really changed through a, even through great worship songs. We're only really changed by the presence of God. Can you say amen? It's encountering his presence that changes us. And as you look at this, you find that I kind of think that 
You and I choose the kind of atmospheres over our life. We often think it's God that chooses it, but it's us. We have the ability to choose what kind of atmosphere is over our lives. Let me give you a great verse. Romans 8 verse 5. I think this is just an awesome verse, which kind of shows to me that we choose what kind of atmosphere, what kind of level of God's presence is going to be over our lives. Romans 8 8 verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, what we set our minds on is going to affect the atmosphere of our lives. If I set my mind on the things of God, and I'm continually focusing and setting my mind on the things of God, then what I focus on is going to be the atmosphere over my life. Isn't that true? I think throughout the day, you can be driving your car, don't close your eyes, but you know what I mean? You can be driving your car, and right there you can be saying, Lord Jesus, I praise you. And you, your mind's just focused on him. During different parts of the day, you can be allowing your mind to be constantly focused on him. And the more that you do that, the more of his presence is going to overwhelm you. Because what you set your focus on is what's going to be over and the focus and the atmosphere of your life. And Paul says here, if you set your minds on the things of the flesh, that's what's going to overwhelm you. In other words, if I'm constantly focusing on my fears, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to have an atmosphere of fear over my life. Isn't that true? If I'm constantly focusing on negativity, I'm going to have an incredible negative atmosphere over my life. So whatever I focus on, whatever I set my mind on, whatever I'm thinking on and setting my mind on, that's going to be the atmosphere over my life. How many want the atmosphere of God over your life? His presence. So set your mind on God. Set your mind. Set your focus on Him. And whatever you focus on, His presence will come. I think of Moses. You know what he said? He says, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. I mean, I mean, God said to him, I tell you what, I'm going to send an angel to go with you. How many wouldn't mind an angel? That's cool. But he says, you know what, angels are cool, angels are amazing, but unless your presence goes with me, I'm not going. In other words, he was saying, he said, it's only your presence that distinguishes us from any other nation. And there's the truth today. The only thing that distinguishes you and I from anybody else around us is the presence of God. That's the only thing that distinguishes his church. Without his presence, we're just the same as any other social club. Is that true? It's only the presence of God that separates us and distinguishes us from anything else. That's what makes the difference. That's what people say, you're different. There's amazingly lovely people out there. Is that true? Lovely people. But the difference is, they haven't got the presence of God. And so the presence of God should distinguish us, us. It should make us totally radically different to everyone around us because not only do we have the presence on us and around us, how many realize we have the presence where? In us. It's there. And so we're told that Jonah, it was in the presence of God that God 
gave him the word. That's where God spoke to him. And the presence of God isn't just about having a wonderful experience, and that's much of that, but also it's only in the presence that we receive our assignments. That's where God speaks to us. That's where God reveals himself, and he speaks to us by his presence. That's where the assignment comes. The word of the Lord came to him when he was in the presence of God. But how many know that when he got that word, he didn't like it? <laughs> it, wasn't, it didn't fit into the way he thought God would say. Ever said that? Lord, do whatever you want to do. I only realise that's a kind of dangerous prayer to pray because you'll be amazed where that prayer will take you. And I can see Jonah saying, God, I don't care where you send me. I'm your servant. I'm your vessel. Okay, Jonah, go to Nineveh, except there. Now, anywhere except Nineveh. And I often found that often God will often say things to us that we don't always like. He will ask us to, to love people that we don't always want to love. He'll ask us to forgive people that you don't really want to forgive. He'll ask you to do things that you don't feel you have the ability to do. And every assignment that God ever gives will always take you out of your comfort zone. Listen, if, if it's a word from God, it will always take you out of what you cannot do yourself. You know how I know whether you received a word from God? If you can do it, then it's not a word from God. How many realise that? Because why would God give you a word that you can do yourself? Every word he gives you will always be a word that in your own ability you can't do. Amen? It will always be beyond your own talent of the better. God will always speak and always pour you and drive you out of your comfort zone. And God said to Jonah, I have an assignment for you. That great city of Nineveh, very powerful, very cruel city. And often God will send you into situations, often the last situation you'd ever choose for yourself. Ever done that? Ever been in a situation and it's the last place in the world you'd have chosen for yourself? Is that true? And God often will, will send you into those situations. And there's something else I want to see. Although obviously it was about the people of Nineveh, I think that assignment was also about Jonah. Because it was in his assignment that things in his heart came to the surface. Things that he didn't even know that were there. And I found often that when God puts you in an assignment, there's going to be things that rise up in you that you didn't even know were there. Attitudes that you didn't know were there. Areas of unbelief, areas of fear. And it's in your assignment that God brings to the surface the things, the challenges that he wants to deal with in your life. The barriers, the walls that hinder God often are manifested in the assignment. It's revealed in the assignment. And how many found this? That as God gives him his assignment, here's the point. The assignment and the presence, how many realize, come together? Notice this. That when he runs away from his assignment, he runs away from the presence. As he fulfills the assignment, he comes into the presence. 
Because they both go together. You can't run away from your assignment and be in the presence. And you can't be in the presence and fulfilling your assignment. They, they both are connected together. So when he ran away from his assignment, he actually ran away from the presence of God. And this is what it says, and it's powerful. That when Jonah ran away from his assignment, you know what happened? The Bible says he, and there's a great phrase here, he went down. Amazing. He went down. I found this. When you draw away from your assignment, you go down. Your prayer life goes down. Your cutting edge goes down. Your fire goes down. And here's the way to see how many found that God doesn't give up. Just because you don't agree to it, God's going to say, okay, I've changed my mind now. God doesn't give up on the assignments. He will persist. And here's the point, often, maybe right now, here today, maybe just a few, who who can see an assignment that God has placed on your life. And you've kind of drawn back. And because you've drawn back from that assignment, maybe it was because of some awful failure, Maybe it's been something in our lives that we were unwilling to deal with. But you've noticed this, that as you've drawn back from that assignment, there's been a going, going down. And I think certain things begin to go down when we draw back from our assignments. I found this often, when people draw back from their assignments, they begin to find other substitutes. Other things are beginning to take the place in their hearts because they've drawn back from their assignment. And so they look for other things that fill their lives. They're running from God. They're running from what God has called them to do. And you know what? We can even do things that we feel that they seem spiritual, but they're still running away from the real thing God's called us to do. We begin to withdraw into hobbies. We can withdraw into careers. Something else, that anything to take our minds and our hearts about something inside our hearts that is going down and down and down. I think when we withdraw from the presence, when we draw from the assignment from God, the Bible says, as he walked away from his assignment, when he walked away from, from the Prince of God, he began to lose his ability to care for people. He just got so focused on himself, he began not to care for anyone. And I think this, that often when we draw away from God's presence, when we draw away from his assignment, something in our hearts can become hard. See, the thing that is the most powerful motivation in life is compassion. I mean, realize that. When we draw away from the presence, we lose compassion in our hearts. The one thing that releases God. The thing that releases the power is the compassion. The Bible says that Jonah, as he went down, he went, he was asleep. In other words, when you move away from your assignment, when you move away from the Prince of God, you lose your ability to discern. You you use your ability to see things through spiritual eyes. You you, you don't recognise the Word of God. You don't recognise what God is doing. That nothing seems to touch the heart. Nothing seems to impact because you've moved out. 
of that assignment. And the Bible says that because he moved from his assignment, and a, a storm arose. Isn't it amazing sometimes that after when people run from their God-given assignment, they find all kinds of storms rise up around them. Things are outside their ability. Crises suddenly rise up. All kinds of things rise up. Storms begin to rise up. And the Bible says that as the storms rose up, I found this, that here's the problem, that when we run away from the presence, when we run away from the assignment, here's the problem. We haven't got the inner strength to deal with it. See, when you're in the will of God, you could be in Iraq, or you could be in Barbados. But you could be in Barbados outside the will of God. You are far more able to be in the will of God in Iraq than you are to be outside the will of God in, in uh, what did I say? Whatever it is, Barbados or anything. But when you're in the will of God, no matter what things rise up, there's a supernatural peace there. There's a supernatural joy there. You have the strength and the supernatural ability to deal whatever comes your way. But when you're outside the will of God, when you're outside the assignment of God, when you're outside the presence of God, there's no inner strength. There's no ability to deal with it and to face it. You feel overwhelmed. You haven't got the inner strength to rise up in you. Because only in the presence of the joys there, and you realise that. Only in the presence is the peace there. Only in the presence is the strength there. And so the assignment will always bring the supernatural ability for you to rise up there. And here's what happens to dear Jonah. The Bible says, they began to draw lots about who they should throw overboard. (laughs) How many would not want to be the one that has the short straw? And the Bible says that, and it says, as they threw him overboard, I can just see, and the Bible says there was a fish there, ready, prepared, specially for Jonah. He went to a fish hotel. How many have ever been to a fish hotel? And he was thrown into fish hotel. Here's the thing I love. God wasn't taken by surprise. He said, oh no, what am I going to do now? Jonah's not going to go on that. So what am I going to do? But the Bible says, God had prepared a fish. And I found often that when we move back from the presence, when we move back from the assignments, I think there could be all kinds of fishes that can swallow us up when we run from the presence. Fishes of discouragement, fishes of negativity, fishes of despair. And those fishes actually bring you to the point where you say, God, I surrender. Ever been there? That everything, you're in such a place, that you're brought to such a place of desperation, and I know I've been there a lot, that you come to a place, God, I just surrender. I'm just, I, I'm just desperate for you. And I know I'm outside your presence. And almost you're brought to a place of desperation. And this is Jonah right now. In the fish, he's brought to a place of total desperation. To the point he says, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm brought to that place. And often God will keep you in a certain situation. He will hold you into certain things to attitudes change to that bitterness has been dealt with, to that self-opinion has been dealt with. And look what it says in in Jonah 2, verse 9. It says that, But I will bring to you 
a sacrifice of praise. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay where I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Almost this sense, God, no matter how I feel anymore, I praise and worship you, not for what you're doing for me anymore. I praise you for who you are. Can you see the change in attitude, the change of heart? And suddenly now, he's, uh, the, 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 the God has begun to do a work in, Joseph, in, in, in Jonah's life. Notice what he says, and this is a very powerful thing. I think verse, uh, I think verse, verse nine. Where's it gone? There's a, I can't. There's a verse somewhere. It says that he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. Somewhere you got, you'll, you'll probably find it somewhere. I can't. I kind of lost the verse there. But here's the point. I just thought, how many realise that Jonah became a picture of Jesus? But Jesus, we're told, was three nights and three... It became a, a picture of Jesus in the tomb. And I love this thought that even though Jonah, how many realised, he, he was in the belly of that fish by his own mistakes, by his own failure, he was there. Even though it was through his own bad choices, he was there. And here's the incredible thing. The moment we, we set our hearts to return to him, even our mistakes, even our failures, God can turn around. Isn't that awesome? God can turn around even our biggest failures, even our biggest mistakes. No matter how big, how massive those failures and mistakes are, God has the ability and the power to change those things around. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's the second, here's the second thing, believe it or not. That was just one thing the presence of Here's the second thing. God does not change until God says it will change. It says that in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I told you. It says in, in, in I think it's verse 2 there, that it says, go to Nineveh, and, and, and he speaks of how, he says, my soul was distressed, I was in agony, I was in pain. Isn't it amazing? But, as long as Jonah was outside the will of God, he was, he was in absolute agony and pain and, and torment. And you'll find this, that when you're outside the will of God, the one evidence of that is you feel inside tormented. There's an incredible disturbance inside your heart. And no matter what you try, it doesn't go. And he was actually putting himself under unnecessary pain. <laughs> but the moment he came back into the will of God, it's, it's realising this, that whatever God's will is for your life, it's always going to be for your benefit. It's always going to be far greater than you ever have for yourself. Far outweighing, far greater than anything else in your life. And I think everything in life that God touches our lives with is there to give a testimony for his glory. Can you say amen? It's there to give you a word. Because I found this, that when you experience something, that means you have a word to speak into someone else's life. Is that true? If I have a healing, that means I have a word of healing to speak into somebody else's life. 
If I have a breakthrough, that means I have a word of breakthrough to speak into somebody else's life. That, that Jonah had an experience, he had a word of salvation to speak in somebody else's life because he was in the belly of a fish, he was right there, no hope of escape, God delivered him, now he's got a message of salvation because he's experienced what it's like to be in that place of darkness, amen? And God uses things in our life that they become life messages that you can use that life message and that life experience to speak of somebody else. You know what that means? That means every one of us has a message. Isn't that true? Because every one of us has has some kind of experience. And through that experience, you have a word. Ever ever gone through a broken heart? Anybody? Listen, that means you've got a a word of broken heart. You've got a, a word, a message to speak. Ever been brought through a discouragement? That means you've got a word to speak of hope into somebody else. So whatever experience God brings you through, it's there for you to bring a message of salvation to somebody else. Can you say amen to that? Now notice this. Go down to verse chapter 3 right there. Chapter, Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. Then God saw their works, saw they had turned from their evil way, And God relented from the disaster that he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But notice this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became really, really angry. Think about it. You know, when you preach, it's kind of cool when you see a response. Isn't that amazing? Another thought, wow, he's preached the message and he'd be overwhelmed with the response he had. You think, this is amazing. I've gone into a city and I've preached and the whole city has turned. How many think that's exciting and amazing? He was mad. He was angry. And here's the issue I want to see. The part of his problem was that even though he embraced this assignment, still his heart had not enlarged itself enough to receive the assignment that God had given to him. I believe this with all my heart. Often God puts a work in your hand and it's got to be connected to your heart. Don't you realise that? The hand and the heart has to go together. Because even though you could have the outward thing, the outward, you feel like the outward work, but if your heart's not connected to your hands, it doesn't fully work. And here's Jonah's problem. He had the outward message. He had the, if you like, he, he had the outward exteriors of it, but his heart didn't connect with the work of his hands. There's got to be that dual work, the heart and the hand going together. In other words, the assignment was amazing, but his heart still was not large enough to actually embrace the assignment because of his heart. And I want to say that's such a truth. God has to do a work in our heart. So the assignment is embraced not only by our hands, but it's embraced in the depth of our heart. God has to work in our heart. And here's the problem with Jonah. The thing that stopped his heart from enlarging was he had a judgmental heart. He had a judgmental heart. And I think a judgmental heart will close your heart and hinder your ability to embrace your assignment. He was not happy that God had shown kindness because he was thinking, these people don't deserve mercy. These people don't deserve grace. They deserve judgment. And he evaluated everything 
to the judgmental part of his heart. I just think so much that, that we've got to allow ourselves to have such an amazing revelation of the mercy of God. You never fully embrace the assignment until you embrace the mercy. Because the more you understand how merciful God has been to you, is that true? Then the more merciful you're going to be to others. Because I tell you what, part of that assignment will always mean you're going to meet with people. You're going to have to work with people that in your heart you think, wow, they don't deserve grace. They don't deserve mercy. But as you understand how much you've received mercy, as you're a, as you're a, as you're a receiver of mercy, you become a distributor of mercy. The more mercy that you grasp, the more merciful you will be. And it kind of breaks down this awful kind of judgmental attitude. And the more of a judgmental attitude we have, the more we begin to close our heart to people. We have a coldness towards people until the mercy breaks in and the mercy releases us to show the mercy and the grace of God. It says in verse 4, verse 2, it says, So he prayed to the Lord and says, Our Lord God, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled to Tarshish. For I know that you are gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I just think that's awesome because I want to say something powerful. Because I think more and more that Jonah failed to realise the value of a soul. You only really reach a soul when you see the value of a soul. You know, Jesus, you know how Jesus said a valuable, how valuable a soul was? He says you could gain the whole world and lose your soul. So one human soul is more valuable than all the wealth, than all the power of the whole world. And the way you reach a soul is actually to see the value of a soul. If you don't see the value of a soul, you never want to reach a soul. But the more you see the value of a human soul, how valuable just one soul is to God, then the more that you want to reach that soul. Because you'll see their value through God's eyes. And the more value you place on the soul, the more cost you're willing to pay to reach that soul. Amen. Now, very quickly, I know time's gone, but go down to, to, to Jonah chapter 4. Verse 6 to 10. See, God's showing Jonah. He says, your heart's too small. And God was showing him the heart for the world. He said, I want you to represent me, not your own opinions. I want you to reveal how big-hearted I am. And God wants to enlarge our hearts to show people how big-hearted God is. Can you say amen? And in Jonah 4, 6-10. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. For it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from the misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned the next day prepared a worm. So it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vermin east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head. And so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, Is it right for me to be angry even unto death? 
The Lord said, You have pity on a plant which you have not laboured, nor made it grow, which made it come up night and perish the night. Should I not have pity on Nineveh, that great city, which is more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? He becomes angry over a plant. Who thought about that? I found this. I need to get all this on the clothes. Often the affections of your heart often are a good indication of where we are with God. You know, one of my heroes, and often, I think I've shared him before, Jonathan Edwards. I love Jonathan Edwards. 17th century, he was the vehicle of the Great Awakening that absolutely shook America. Jonathan, a great theologian, actually. And he said these words. Always stuck with me. He says these words. He says this. He who has only doctrinal knowledge and theory without affections is never engaged in the goodness of faith. I am to assert that no change of religious nature will ever take place unless the affections are moved. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of powerful holy affections and he brings about affections of the Let me ask you right now. What things stir your passions? What things move your affections? What things kind of get you angry? What things stir your heart? Are we more concerned about things breaking down, about something not going our way, maybe at work or something somewhere else? Or are we concerned about people's spiritual condition. What are our hearts full of? What affections of the heart are we full of? Are we full of anger and negativity and judgmental and critical? Or are we full of the affections of the joy of the Spirit, the peace of God, the love of God flowing from our hearts? Or have our hearts become locked and unmoved? And God wants to enlarge our hearts and move us out of libertation because wrong affections will always put the lid on your assignment. You'll never be able to move in the fullness of your assignment as long as you don't have the affections that God wants for your heart. Let me close with this. Did I say the last thing? Okay, let me keep one more thing. Let me give you verse 5 of Jonah chapter 3. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast. How many think that's serious? Put on sackcloth for the greatest to the least. Let me just say, Nineveh's repentance is one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Do you know that? What a miracle. A city so hardened, a city so full of violence and cruelty, repents. That's a miracle, amen? And he says they believed. They believed God. And there's a simple truth for your assignment. The more you believe God, the more you make room for his power in your life. You see, when I believe I have influence in my workplace, I'm going to have influence in my workplace. When I believe, when I believe that God is bigger than my problems, 
then my problems are going to seem so small. If I believe in my disappointments, in my circumstances, or am I going to believe in the greatness of God? It really is down to what we set our hearts to believe. And the more I believe in the goodness of God, for example, the more of his goodness I'll see. The more I believe his mercy, the more of his mercy I'll see. The more I believe in my problems, the bigger my problems will be. It's really down. For my assignment to really come into fruition in my life, it's down to believing that God can use little me. Amen? Believing that God can use me in all my limitations, all my weaknesses, and all my frailties, that God can still use me. And the more you believe that God will use you, then God's going to use you. The more you believe that he can use you in your situations, in your circumstances, the more he will use you for your assignment. It's simply believing, God, thank you that you have an assignment for me. I believe you have an assignment for me. I believe you have a role. I believe you have a purpose. I believe you have a plan. I believe you have something amazing for me to do. And the more you believe that, the more you'll see God begin to work and work in your life. Let's stand, shall we? Okay, just, I'm not going to do this a lot, but just do it right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, today, work your word into my heart. May I fulfill the assignment for my life that you've given me to fulfill. Help me to fulfill it. Help me not to miss the assignment that you have placed upon my life. Help me to fulfill it without any reservations. Lord, I come to fulfill the assignment that heaven... Remember, it's heaven's assignment. The assignment comes from heaven, not from man, it comes from heaven. It's it's an assignment, it's a vision from heaven that God gives. So receive today. So Lord, today, help me. If I pull back from my assignment, Lord, I recommit myself my assignment. If you're not sure of it, say, Lord, today reveal my heavenly assignment to me. May I not miss it. I give my life today to fulfill my assignment. Father, we thank you that, Lord, that you work with us, that we are your chosen vessels to touch this island, to touch this earth for your glory. And, Father God, we come to you today and say, Lord, here we are, your vessels, vessels of honour. Would you please use us Would you please work through us? Would you please help us be like Paul who said that he was not disobedient to to the heavenly vision that you've given him to do. We want to say today that we we don't want to be disobedient to our heavenly vision. No matter how ridiculous it looks, Lord. No matter how crazy it looks. Lord, it must have seemed so crazy to Jonah to go to Nineveh. And no matter how crazy to the natural mind that assignment seems, Lord, Lord, may you give us the boldness and the courage and the strength and the ability to fulfil that which you've placed in our hearts. May we not let anything limit us or hold us back. For I pray for heavenly assignments to be released even this day in this room today, Father. That many assignments that will be coming from heaven will be released to fulfil your will, to fulfil your purpose, to fulfil your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the free download from the Lancy Ealing Church. For more downloads, information or contact us, please visit our website at the Lancy Ealing.co.uk.